You're zero. What's your name? No one's going to ask you. Better find out where they want you to go. And you've come to the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. A lot of zero, zero games to discuss here. I'm your host, Jeffrey Pedernostro. I am drinking a Down East Unfiltered Cider Double Blend. We decided to push the envelope on our original blend to see how far it could go. Turns out pretty far. Keep your head on a swivel. She bites. Uh, it's what they're referring to is this is a 7.3% ABV cider, which I probably should have checked, Patty, before I put a shot of rye whiskey in it. Probably, mate. Yeah, that sounds a bit lethal you got there, man. So, uh, I mean, if Wednesday didn't put me to sleep today, this won't. So, I mean, there's two of them on this uh, call, Jeff, so I'd appreciate if you're not slowing the words as much as I slow my words just regularly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also online is Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Um, well... I'll be the sober one today. I'll be the designated driver. I have water because I've been snowed in all day. And I think I'll be doing the podcast today. So um, I've had no chance to get any beer. Or oh, set up a proper nice. Skype setup because it sounds like you're in a bathtub. Oh, really? Shit. That's yeah, so, fine. We're just going to keep going. <laughs> my Mac stopped working today, so I'm on some web browser Skype. It's fine. It's about what these games deserve. We're covering two nil-nil draws because Patty got a puppy, named it Zero, and Wednesday haven't scored since. So we'll cover the Wednesday and Millwall games, which were both boring in their own way. Talk a little bit about uh, Patty's woman crush Wednesday, Katrianne Mier leaving the club. Will she finally have time to respond to Patty's Instagram DMs now? <laughs> We will uh, head to the Americas parts of Owl Americas, the North Americas parts, and talk to our Toronto Owl. We'll preview the Ravrum game and cover the meetups for said not a derby, because it's not a derby. But we will start with Reading at Hillsborough. Tom Lees has picked up a knock. Thornley comes in as Hector's center back partner with Fletcher and Fessy up top. Um, this was a very effective lineup, I thought, Patty. Yeah, I liked it. And um, I think Thornley um, kind of kept it, came into uh, that lineup and just kind of bossed it, really. It was like, um, it wasn't like we were taking a step down to that way, going from Leeds to Thornley. Um, so fair play to him. I think um, we didn't play too badly either. Especially um, in the first half. Like, it... They came out pressing Redding, who was trying to play out from the back, and like they forced him into some errors. They created some chances and probably should have been up one or two goals by halftime. But as has been a recurring theme this year, the end product just wasn't there. Yeah, and I think Reach and Forestieri were, were the main creative outlets for us. They, they were both pretty um, on top of the game, which, which for Reach, um, it was only a bad month, I think, maybe about six weeks, actually. Um, it was good to see. He was uh, making some great little um, passes and some link-ups plays. So, uh, Forestieri, see, Forestieri, um, I think, whereas the game previously he missed quite a few um, uh, shots, this one he kind of turned into the provider where there's a, there's a ball to Fletcher, I think, going like 20 minutes into the game, where he just loops it from about 60 yards out around to Fletcher's right foot. He cuts in and tries to bend on his left foot, but the shot had no power. Um, and it kind of, there was a few little bits and pieces like that where we, we cut through um, 
Reading's defence, who I thought actually played pretty well, Reading. They, they pressed us very well in the first, I'd say, like 70 minutes of the game. Uh, surprisingly so, for where they are in the league. So it, they were tough to break down, they were tough to play against, but we showed a little spark here and there, and there's a couple of moves, I, I thought, in the first half, which uh, which uh, really showed a lot of promise for us. Yeah, and I think the the biggest difference with Fessy sort of more in that more central, I you want to call it a number 10 role, or sort of in a central attacking midfielder, is he can really, really be more of a free-roaming player, both on offense and on defense. He can be that terrier from the front, especially for a team playing out from the back with varying degrees of success, as Redding did for most of the first half. Like, he's a real pest. He is. Um, and he was everywhere. He was really trying hard, I thought, for us to get. I think he had a really good game. Um, there was a really good um, chance he's up for Hutchinson as well, um, where he chested it down from, I think it was a reach a reach ball, um, and then squared it to Hutchinson, and Hutchinson just toe-poked it right at the keeper. Yeah, that that's... really should be probably the best uh, chance until sort of right at the end, which was a bit later. But um, I think if I was anyone else with Hutchinson, that would put him in the goal. Reading came out better in the second half, although the but I think one of the sort of recurring themes of both these games will be Wednesday not really at any point in time being troubled at the back. But there was a pretty good chance, a deflected shot, where Kieran Westwood did Kieran Westwood things and was able to tip it over the bar. And it's, you know, it's it's one of those games where, you know, May Millwall was a true bore. This game was more almost, like, frustrating because it felt like for the vast majority of the game Wednesday were on top. You know, Reading made some adjustments in the second half. I thought they came out pretty strong. It was a little more even. But it's just, if they had taken those chances early, it would have been a very different game. And instead, you know, we're struggling to get that uh, get that late winner. You know, Jow comes on, but you can't ask Jow to score in the 90th minute every week. But eh, come the 93rd minute, there's Adam Reach. Yeah, and what a brilliant move it was as well. That. So uh, Hector... Uh, Again, spraying balls, <laughs> lovely balls, we <laughs> said last week, um, all over the park. And he did it again today against Millwall. Um, he gets well established, so I like Hector's balls. So. <laughs> it's very well established. Uh, he, he played in Palmer over the top of their left back. And uh, for once, Palmer blistered past somebody right on the byline, passed it back to Reach, who from four yards out just embarrassingly plays it over again uh, after the one uh, against Ipswich the week previous. That's two howls in a row is is, uh, is uh, missing there. So poor guy can't really uh, get a bit of a break. But other than that miss, I thought we had a, had a good game. Uh, yeah, it's one of those where it's uh, almost harder to put over than it is to put in. Yeah, and it was probably the first cross the Palmer's made the connection with in about twenty games as well. So it's a bit of hard to hard to chance on Palmer there. Uh, you know what else impressed me actually? Uh, the Aaron's. So yeah. Aaron's came on with about what twenty minutes to go, I think twenty five yeah, minutes to go. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, to be really fair, like... when you come on for George Boyd, the the pace gap is going to be fairly <laughs> obvious. Yeah, yeah it's like night and day. I don't think Boyd took the ball. He had a shot in the first half. Boyd. He's like really... so. The thing about Boyd is he obviously works very hard, and he you can still see like the skills that got him signed. Like he knows his his positional knowledge is good. He makes smart runs. He finds gaps. Like he's that kind of like you can sort of see the the outline of the winger he wants. He just can't run anymore. <laughs> it's like, like these great balls come in down the channel over the top for him, and you're just like, it's like watching him run through quicksand trying to track them down. 
you know what? He is running though, but he's just not running very fast. I yeah, that's he's so, running all over the place, and also he's not getting to the place where he needs to be on time. So when the end of the he's just chasing shadows everywhere. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, I was very pleased that Aaron's came on, and he looked uh, quite effective actually. So um, a few little tricks in the box, uh, a few little step overs, very direct. We made some good runs. Uh, There's a chance we went. Uh, it was like two on two, where Fletcher was just in front of him, where I thought he should have passed actually to play Fletcher through. Yeah, he just held onto the ball a bit too long and uh, kind of slipped before shooting. But I think it was a good run out for Aaron's. I think he'll get better and better the more minutes he gets. He does have sort of the mentality of like maybe one one try to take on one guy too many or one trick too many or one step over too many. But I mean the pace is obvious. And he can he can beat his man man for man, which is which is good to see. I think if he, I like to see him get a like Bruce has been very conservative about rolling out the new players into the squad. I wonder if that's sort of a planned approach where he wants to sort of give the the starters a chance to you know clean clean slate, prove it, you know prove you still deserve this spot. Because I would have thought that I mean Iorfa, yeah he's on. A permanent deal so you obviously have some some more time to make some decisions on that but you think think the newcastle alone players you'd want to you want to integrate them a little more quickly but i guess we can debate at this point if they're really playing for anything long term or i should say short term so he can probably take his time integrating them into the squad i thought maybe the the millwall game you might see a a fullback rotation maybe i've just been uh spent too much time watching yas do that every uh other game <laughs> But the thing is, I mean, fair play to Fox and Palmer. They have they, they, yeah, they played very well. I thought Palmer. We'll get to the Millwall game. I thought Palmer was man of the match because I can't give it to Hector every game. It was probably actually Hector. But. <laughs> I mean, both I think both Reading and uh, uh, and Millwall both fullbacks and all, well, everyone on defence had two fantastic games um, and Westwood too. Um, it's very hard to single them out, but I think it's it's hard to bring in. I would say either was that uh, I think it's called Lazar. Lazar or, or Yoffa in the fullback at the moment when you're keeping clean sheets and uh, the people at fullback are, are doing a good job. I don't think, I still don't think, um, other than that one run into the box that Palmer did at the end of the Reading game, that Palmer's very good going forward. I actually think Fox is actually much better in that position. I thought Palmer did a decent job against Millwall, sort of finding space at least. Like he's never yeah. going to be like a run in, you know, overlapping run cross guy like Hunt was, but I thought he did a very good job. He's very good defensively. And I thought he was very sort of, you know, a useful outlet, at least on the right. No, he was fantastic at Millwall. He, he did make space. He was, he's always available. Um, it's just his final ball into the box that frustrates me. Yeah, it's not. It's his crossing. It's not great. I mean, he's, but he's also, he was, you know, he came, in, he came up as a central midfielder, so. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of shows in the crossing at times. <laughs> so I guess we can move on to the Millwall game now. Uh, Pelopessi and Joao in for Fessy and Boyd. Ooh, not a, I mean, not a good first half, Patty. (laughs) This is not a good first half. I mean, they were under pressure. Like, I thought the the defense handled the pressure very well. Like, Millwall never really looked like scoring, but we also didn't look like getting out of our own half a lot of the time. It was very scrappy, wasn't it? Yeah. Um... I think they put Pelopessi in there as a bit more of a little kind of meat in the sandwich, kind of like stop these kind of uh, crosses getting into the box, which Millwall are known for just peppering uh, balls into the box. And they did that for the first 15 minutes. We had barely touched the ball. It was like just uh, chasing shadows again. 
Uh, Joey, again, unfortunately, looked uh, out of his depth. Uh, his passing was was woeful. His tackles were ineffective. Um, and that, to me, I understood why he started him. Uh, I also understand why he took him off at halftime, because he was just really poor. Um, I thought the first half as well, Joao and Fletcher didn't work well together. I thought they were kind of making the same runs, almost running into each other a few times. Uh, so for me... I don't think uh, Bruce will be going back to that kind of uh, formation again in a long while. Yeah, Joel. Yeah, I thought Joel actually had a very good game. All in all, he just never was a like. I think both he and Fletcher had issues getting service and the the midfield, especially in the first half with with Pelopesi, and it just got run over. Essentially, they couldn't string two passes together, so it was going to be difficult to get service to the people up front. But it's like you're also kind of like I know Joel gets cast as a you know, on the left of a three and a and a four two three one, or you know, as a more of an out and out winger. But I, I think he's basically what ends up having you starting two number nines there. Like he, Joao is a number nine. I know he can be a little trickier, but he really shouldn't be dropping as deep as he was in this game. And I think that was part of the problem. Yeah, um, you kind of have to without Forestieri there bridging that gap between midfield. Uh, just having Joao and uh, Fletcher up top it doesn't seem to work. Uh, Joao isn't as creative as Forestieri. He likes the ball in front of him. He likes to be able to take people on. Um, and we, just don't have, we have nobody supporting either of the two front men. Um, Fletcher is also good at coming deep and bringing people into the game, but he wasn't doing much because I think Bannon was too deep on the left. Uh, Pelopesi and Hutchinson were way too deep. And then on the right, you had, uh, you had reach. So, it, w- it wasn't a good first half. It wasn't a very uh, successful tactical change on Bruce. Thankfully, he remedied it pretty quickly. And uh, I was surprised that he brought on uh, Boyd uh, for a uh, purpose rather than that Rolando Aarons because this game was crying out for some pets and pace, especially after the first half. Yeah, like Millwall, when they were sort of on the back foot, looked like Wednesday, I thought, especially in the second half, were pretty successful getting at them but they just didn't have that sort of like cutting edge to them, which is I mean, at this point really been the story of the entire season, even going back to last year at times. So I do think you need that kind of player to, you know, I think when Forestieri came on, it made a little bit of a difference too, but I think giving Aaron's the whole half instead of, instead of Boyd, like I can see like in a way, George Boyd, like being a very Steve Bruce kind of player, but he just, he's not at the, races at this point. I'll give Boyd the credit for today's game, actually, against Millwall. I thought he had a better game yeah. than he had done previously. He actually made a bit of an impact in the first few minutes came on. Um, and, and that, for me to praise Boyd, means he did something good. He, he basically read through Fox, right? He, was, uh, he crossed it into Joao. Um, it was a very nice little move. The thing is, we, we, we make these like, little moves, like in the Reading game and in the Millwall game, some beautiful moves at times, little flicks, little one-touch passes. But they only happen maybe three or four times in a game, and they don't end up with a goal in the back of the net, <laughs> ball in the back of the net. Um, it's it's frustrating because we know we can play really good football, just not consistently enough. Um, I think Bruce uh, will start to see more and more of that, and hopefully get them to uh, to train to play like that going forward. Because I think that the talent is there at times, but the tactics sometimes are a little bit all over the place, especially over the last year, obviously with the OS. If Bruce can get them playing that nice one-touch flowing football that we do play in spells, then we, we could be a good side again. I do want to single out uh, Michael Hector, too, for the Millwall game. Like, 
it's just I can't think of the last time that Wednesday had a center back like this. Yeah. I mean, he I just, just completely controls the game. He's a, he's a man mountain. He yeah. was everywhere in that first half. But he's uh, also I, very good with the ball at his feet, too. He, he, he sprays balls around quite a lot. And, I mean, if we had a kind of um, a tracker on him, I'd love to see the stats for him on uh, the middle of the game because he was passing it an awful lot. I would say probably more than Bannon, definitely more than Hutchinson. Uh, from that, from that kind of um, elevated defensive uh, 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 position on the on the pitch, and he's um, so good at like just stepping up and breaking up play on counterattacks, and he's very fearless. Like he he's extremely confident he can win the ball, and more than often than not, he does. Yeah, it's got an error in him though, hasn't he? He has at least like one like clumsiness, yeah. like clumsy tackle or something, or clumsy kind of mess up in in the time, and that's that's fine. I can allow him that uh, in the championship; he'll get away with it most of the time. <laughs> Uh, well, you talk about how he like I think when he first came like oh this guy's had like 14 loan spells what's going on but also by the same token like it's, he said Chelsea hasn't given up on him for a reason like you, you can see the quality there absolutely he's, he's, uh, he's a man manager and I love the way that in the fact the first half nothing was getting past him in the second half I'll take my stuff to Thornley I thought Thornley was just as good in the second half than uh, Hector was in the first half um I thought both of them in that center half, center uh, back pairing, were very effective. And like I said earlier on, uh, Palmer, fantastic. Fox, great. It's like a different team. Who would have thought we'd been praising um, our defense like three months ago, even two months ago, that that, that, that state? We were awful. Um, the, the change that's happened uh, since Yoss has left in that, it, never mind the team, just that defense is just absolutely amazing. Uh, and I, I think uh, I mentioned before on the podcast, my tweet is saying that uh, it won't make a bit of difference if we bring uh, Kieran Westwood and Hutchinson back. I think I might have got that wrong. <laughs> yeah, and it does kind of uh, make you ask the question, does, you know, I don't think we have a, a full idea of how serious Tom Lee's injury is, but like, does he walk back into his spot at this point? Uh, we've been very critical of Tom Lee's this, this season, haven't we? Sure. Um, at, at the end of the day, I want to respect the fact that he's, he's club captain. And, uh, yeah, and I thought, he's, he's, I thought he's played fairly well with Hector. He has, and again, he was also well-improved uh, mm. post-Yoss. Um, so I'll give the benefit of the doubt. I, I think we've got a fantastic replacement in Thornley, should we need him. Um, I still think Lee's would probably get the nod ahead of Thornley at this point. Uh, but it's very reassuring to know that Palmer uh, can come in and, uh, without missing a beat, uh, be as good as, if not better, than John and the Tom Lees. I think there is sort of a, you know, it's a bit of a cliche that like you want sort of the older, experienced center back, and you know Thornley is still quite young. But by the same token, for the the style they want to play, because Thornley is not bad with the ball at his feet either. Um, and he's also very comfortable, I think, sort of covering for Hector when Hector makes his little runs upfield. It just seems like, uh, you know, you look at it and it's, I'm like very comfortable with that as a long-term pairing. Like it just feels very natural for the way they, the sort of interplay between the two of them. No, definitely. Um, unfortunately, it's probably more likely we'll get Lee's and Thornley together. Uh, <laughs> and that hasn't necessarily yeah. uh, <laughs> bought fruit. Um 
I, I don't know what the, the, what Chelsea would ask for if we even went to them with the with the transfer offer for Hector if we had any cash to spend in the first place. Um, for a defender of that quality in the Championship, I would be looking at probably around five to ten million. That's what really about what I figured, yeah. It depends if Chelsea care, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I have no oh, idea how many years he has left on his contract there either. So we're sending him off for a sixteenth loan. <laughs> And second verse, same as the first. Wednesday get another chance at the last gasp of the game. To be fair, I think this one was a little bit tougher for Fletcher going away from goal. Yeah, I think we were clutching at straws for Fletcher to finish that, really, especially in the 90th minute. Um, it, was, it was a good chance. Again, a nice, nice move. Um, but it just came a little bit behind him. and It was too difficult to kind of turn it back into the net. It just went over the goal. Um, there was really not a lot of chances in that second half to... Uh, to um, to talk about the the, the the best chance I think second half came to probably uh, Millwall uh, where Thornley cleared it off the line um, after good work by uh, like Lee Gregory uh, crossing it to Morris in the back post again it was like two headers two headers if anything was going to happen for Millwall he was going to do a cross to the back post or a header set play and it was uh, the one time that Wessel wasn't in front of the ball to stop the cross or to stop the pass or stop the shot. Uh, Thornley was right behind him, so uh, I mean, to be fair, I thing. thought from watching the replay that Westwood would have gotten there, but Thornley was in the right place at the right time. Yeah, definitely. And in what was less than a thrilling week of two points from two games against Reading and Millwall, Wednesday are up to fifteenth, Patty. Woohoo! The dizzy heights. I mean, we've we've been talking a while now about securing that sixteenth place. I mean. Yeah. Well, just imagine the, unexpected the joy bonus, yeah. if we uh, secure 15th place this season. Uh, well, we need some time to uh, decompress from that exhilarating news. So we'll take a break. And we come back, we'll head up to Toronto to find out how our Toronto Owl became a Wednesdayite. Both Patty and I are snowed in today as we record, but we'll head up to the Great White North, where I'm sure it's just as cold and unpleasant, to talk to our Toronto Owl, Chris Prostron. Chris, how did you become a Wednesdayite? Um, it all started probably three-ish years ago, three and a half years ago, before uh, Chancery bought the club. Milan Mandaric owned it. He's Serbian, I'm Serbian. I used to follow the championship a little bit, and I figured, you know what, I may as well just... Pick a team, follow it, start going from there. So you followed it because of Mandarich, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, just patriotism. <laughs> so how long were you following for Mandarich sold in Chelsea? I think it was even longer than that, I think about four or five years ago. That was four years ago since Chelsea? I think it's pretty mm-hmm. far. I think um, it's just, yeah. So how long were you following under Mandarich's reign? Just about the last year you had uh, ownership. Okay, cool. So obviously, you kept on following them after he sold it to Chan Siri. Um, how have you uh, have you found following him? It's quite a new fan. It's, uh, it's quite interesting. I find for a lot of Wednesday fans back home to hear of uh, someone in Canada uh, supporting Sheffield Wednesday. So, um, was there anything else about the club that kind of drew you to other than Mandarich? Honestly, I've always heard of Sheffield Wednesday. They're a pretty big, well-known club. Um, the badge is pretty sweet, if I'm quite honest. <laughs> 
like like we have Drake here, right? We have uh, OVO. It's literally the same. <laughs> That's the same. It's, it's the quite, same logo. <laughs> it's, it's literally the same. It's quite interesting. But uh, yeah, I just really liked the the club. The hit has a bunch of history. And yeah, I just started following them. I started getting more serious when I was uh, watching the like. I bought the uh, EFL pass to watch the games. Started a Twitter account. And yeah, awesome. So, um, did, did you like soccer beforehand? I see that you were playing. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always watched Premier League. I grew up playing here. Uh, didn't make it over to go overseas, but uh, my family played. Like I have a lot of cousins. Um, a few of them have played professionally in Serbia. I was always watching. Serbian league, this and that. So, so obviously, uh, you know, you have Toronto FC up there, but what's the actual uh, soccer culture like? The match day experience like in Toronto, whether it's you know Premier or you on your couch watching the uh, the EFL pass. Um, if I'm going to be quite honest, the TFC matches are pretty fun. Like maybe seven years ago, they're complete garbage, but since we've TFC became bigger. We started buying bigger names. Um, the atmosphere changed drastically. Like it's actually extremely fun now to go to a game, as opposed to like seven years ago, it wasn't fun at all. Tickets were like thirty bucks, and you'd get like you're like ten seats away from the row. Now you get thirty bucks. You're literally not even. You can't buy a ticket for thirty bucks now. <laughs> yeah, you've had quite some success in the last few years. So you can What's the culture like over there? So in Toronto, do you get a mixture of like expats watching like uh, both like the Premier League and uh, a bit of MLS too? Is it mainly like Canadian American people? What's what's the kind of mixture? What do you mean? A mixture of kind of like um, people watching football. Is it is it mainly like is it a big Canadian kind of national thing that you guys watch soccer and Toronto FC, um, or is it kind of a mixture of maybe the Hispanic community like in New York or English people that kind of stuff? It's a mixture. Canada's so diverse, like especially where I am, like it's all immigrants basically, and everyone follows kind of like where they're from. Everyone watches Premier League basically, but uh, it's a mix of both. People like MLS because of TFC and how well they've done over the last few seasons, and then of course everyone has like their Premier League club or their Serie A club. Well, the everyone here loves like any La Liga fan, Barca, Real, right? Yeah, yeah. How it goes. Do they have big soccer bars in Toronto? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't been to actually any. There's not too many, like, big meetups. Like, I know I know we post about them on Twitter and stuff, but I actually haven't been to one. I've heard of a few English pubs around that, that might watch a few games, but any bar, like, if there's a big game on, they'll probably put on a game. Yeah, Not so necessarily, like, meetups, though. No, no, and um, obviously, I was just asking Amelia about soccer bars, really. Um, there used to be a Toronto Wells group, actually. Um, Divi Dimitru um, set it up a few years ago. I think he then moved elsewhere. I think he moved to Nova Scotia. Um, so there's a few Wednesday fans in that area. I know you're a little bit, a little bit out of town, so um, we need to get our staff together, I think, and get some uh, Wednesday fans back in Toronto, because I think there's about six or seven of you guys dotted around the area. Mm-hmm. I, I see it on Twitter, yeah, I see a few of them. Yeah, hopefully um, uh, we can start that back up again because there's a few people on the, just in the forum too, Miles Marcus forum. So if you're listening to this, um, people in Toronto, um, get your act together. <laughs> um, so you've watched about five years, four or five years now. What would you say was the, the match that sticks in your memory the most? Like, what is the favorite match you've like watched or listened to? Because uh, you haven't been over to Hillsborough yet, right? You just uh, watched on TV. Then. Yeah, yeah. So 100% it's that final at Wembley at, against Hall a few seasons back. 
I literally got a few of my buddies that don't even watch. They don't even know Sheffield Wednesday. And I made them watch the game. I'm sitting there screaming. We didn't do so well, but it was honestly like the most hype match I've ever watched. Just because we were so close. Did you watch that at home? Did you watch it at a bar? Where did you go for it? Uh, we just watched it at a buddy's house. Put it on the TV. Nice, nice. Did your buddies get involved? Or you looks like, what on earth are you shouting out here? It's 1-0 to the other team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, what do you think of this season so far? Any? Um, do you feel like uh, we can get into the top six, do you think, by the end of the season? How do you feel it's going to go? This season so far, same thing as last season. It's kind of disappointing with the players we have, right? Like, we have such big-name players. Like, we shouldn't be doing this poorly, in my opinion. But it is what it is. If we can make top six, um, I think if we could push, it'd have to be this month. I've already taken a look at the games that we have, and... Even today, we should have beat Millwall, in my opinion. I'm surprised we we didn't get any anything else than three points. I like that you're asking him this, Patty, the week after we're talking about two nil-nil draws. <laughs> yeah. Do you think we can get to the top six? Yeah, we, we, we score a goal first. <laughs> yeah, we have to just get the goal and we'll be good. Okay. You can already see we've played so much better in the last, like, not even, what, four or five games we played much better. Well, yeah, do you like do you like Steve Bruce? How does, how does Steve Bruce come across to an American? I mean, for me, Steve Bruce is a very typical, traditional English soccer manager. So, for you guys, do you like um, relate to him as much as someone like from England would say? Um, he's really confident. Every time he oh, he speaks, he opens his mouth. You feel like he has a confidence to him. He already knows what to expect. He knows that we're on a new journey now. You know. Um, I think so far the managers we've had, that we've had, he's 100% the best. Just just the way he acts, the way he talks, his thought process. He brought in those three transfers in like last minute. I couldn't even believe it. Exactly what we needed, in my opinion. Just some just some pace, you know. Yeah, well, exactly. And that's, I'm glad he kind of comes across uh, to other people too, because like I say, you've been watching for the last five years, so you wouldn't necessarily have known uh, about Steve Bruce's uh, like storied career unless you've like. Other than watching him against Wednesday in the whole final, it's just uh, it's it's interesting to hear your opinion on uh, on Bruce and how he comes across confidence. I feel exactly the same way. And his, keep in mind, Patty, that his only framework for an English Wednesday manager is Stuart Gray, who's yeah. a slightly different personality. <laughs> but yeah, he's very soft spoken for, which is nice to hear. Like to be fair, Stuart Gray and him have had a similar uh, uh, tenure so far: lots of nil nils and one nils. <laughs> <laughs> So what's your uh, what's your expectations, or I guess what's your sort of hope for the rest of the season? Since top six might not be a little bit ambitious, Patty. Um, if we could somehow make it to top twelve, I'd be happy. That being said, only if we're playing better. If there's no sense of improvement, then I'll be disappointed. But we are starting to play better. Defense looks a lot better. If we can, if we don't make top six, if we at least look a better side than we were the past two seasons, just the from ball movement. I think I'd be happy with that going on to a new fresh start next season, probably loosen up the squad a bit. We have way too many players. Probably Steve Bruce knows a bunch of guys. He'll bring in a bunch of players and we'll go from there. Yeah, I hope you're right. Um, what do you think uh, about next season though? So do you think, um, who are the players that you'd want to bring in? So what kind of positions do you think uh, you'd want to see Brucey strengthen? Honestly, probably just the wings. 
fullbacks, I think we're okay. If we got another fullback on permanent, that'd be good. Morgan Fox, I like, but I also don't like at times. The last month, he's been great, but like the past six months, what the heck, you know? Um, I feel like we're coming around on Morgan Fox in the podcast. I don't know how to feel about that. I like him right now. I think he's done really well, but you bring in a pretty good left back on loan now with Lazar. And it's like, oh, now there's some serious competition, you know? I hope so. I hope you just give him... This seems to have given him a little bit of a kick. I think Fox has been fantastic over the last six games, uh, especially over the last two games, which we've covered earlier in the podcast. Um, and a partner too. So but I think competition places, isn't it? That's what it's about. We haven't had that for most of the season, other than the youngsters pushing um, Fox and Palmer, uh, which is always going to be tough. Um, I think... Bruce has come in, and uh, they're both shown to be confident fullbacks. So, wow, you change that, and it's, it's, it's kept to the same. So, I, I would like to see uh, a pacey left back sign in or something, I think, too, just to give um, Fox a run for his money. Um, uh, someone that well, can maybe get forward more. Uh, Lazar, I, sorry, I know nothing about Lazar at all, and he's only alone. So, I, I, would, I would see him making a few appearances, but unless he impresses, I can't see him signing full time. I like the look at that Aaron's guy, though. Do you see that Aaron's played today or on Saturday? He seems to have some good tricks with his sleeve. What I like about him is he looks to be a very direct player. You know, he takes guys on, kind of like a forced theory in that sense. You know, he runs at the player, runs at the opposition, basically. And that's kind of what we need. I feel like sometimes we don't have that person to do that. Instead of, like, we'll have someone that will just pass back instead of take on the player in the final third. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we needed the last two games too. So I was really impressed with him actually on Saturday. Um, cool, man. Well, um, I think that's about all we've got time for. But we really appreciate your time coming on the podcast, Chris. Um, let's hope that Tom Charles can start again and uh, send us some picks of the next meetup, hopefully. Yeah, I hope to, that we can get that going again as well. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Chris. Now it's time for your Wednesday news. We start with another milestone game at the club. Last week, Liam Palmer celebrated his 200th appearance in a Wednesday shirt, and Kieran Westwood is 150th. And joining him in the century and a half club this week is Barry Bannon. Yeah, fantastic news. Uh, well, just a great milestone. We've, yeah. um, we've got players now, obviously, that have been around for a long time. And Westwood, Palmer, and Bannon a part of Chippewa Wednesday now. They'll, 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 yeah. be, they'll be part of us fans' memories for a long time. And mainly good ones. I mean, Palmer, again, will be remembered as a kind of stalwart, but it was just very, not flashy and not one of the best game, best players I've ever had. But he's, he believes blue and white. He's, he's a, a Chippewa Wednesday lad. He's come through the ranks. He's one of our own. So, regardless of, of uh, some of the performance some pitches do sometimes, I think everyone will look at those three players as this generation's kind of... Uh, Good players for Wednesday. And Bannon's one of the best. He's still showing now. He still runs games. Uh, without him, I think we would be probably in the bottom four. Because most, sometimes when games are not happening, he'll just pull the strings and pick out a pass and we'll get a goal from that. And, and I think without him, we'll, we struggle a lot with that. So uh, I'm now worried because he's got his, um, he's got his yellow card today, didn't he? So he's one yellow card away from being suspended and 
got three games to go until the Blaze game, so I don't want him to be spent for that game. I mean, when you really think about it, and I was frantically pulling up uh, the Wikipedia entry for a list of Sheffield Wednesday players so I could see how many players have made 200 appearances in a Wednesday shirt, and just eyeballing it, like, it's maybe... I would say not even 50 in the entire club history. And like the recent ones were basically Tommy Spur. Let's see. So Tommy Spur, uh, Gary Megson. I'm going to say from the 80s onward. So Tommy Spur, Gary Megson, Peter Shirtliff, you know, Mel Sterland. These are proper legends, these though. Kevin Pressman, <laughs> obviously. Um, yeah, these are like the, the these are like historic. You can't tell the history of Sheffield Wednesday without mentioning these players, right? And and I think I good about. I keep saying this for Palmer, but Palmer will go down as one of those players that's been with us for such a long time. That I think when he does retire, most Wednesday fans will have a reasonable memory of him. They won't have a bad memory of him. Also, uh, I did. did we should probably mention David Hurst and Des Walker, who I also just like skipped over scrolling up. So, <laughs> some important players. King deserve, <laughs> Barry Bannon and King Westwood, I think, deserve to be in, in, mm. in that kind of uh, yeah. that kind of Hall of Fame type of thing. Right. I mean, they haven't won anything for us yet, really, but <laughs> hopefully before they retire, they do. I mean, you know, I, you know, for a club that has a very long history of you know great goalkeeping, obviously, you know, names like. You know, Kevin Pressman, Chris Kirkland, um, who's the guy from the 80s that I always, that bartender in Queens always quizzes me about? Chris Turner. Martin Hodge. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I've told that story on the podcast before. It's fine. Uh, John Sheridan also has over 200 caps. I did a very good, very poor job of sorting by dates. Uh, Gary Shelton, too. Um <laughs> Man, like Kieran Westwood, like that's, I mean, he's, he's an amazing keeper. It's yeah. you know, it's too bad that you know he pissed off Martin O'Neill, and like, I think like he should have been the the number one keeper for Ireland in Euros. Like he's that good. Yeah, I think he's uh, suffered from some poor choices and maybe. Uh, well, he's had some un, un, poor timing of injuries too. I think has hurt him as well. Yeah, not the most injury point player, but uh, has had poor timing just for the Euros. Um, I think like I, say, I don't think he necessarily gets along with some people too. So uh, I think that's hurts his career a little bit. It's just a shame that like Bannon and, and Westwood, who who have been one of two of our best players in the past three years, um, I just hope they get some kind of glory, some kind of uh, yeah. some kind of thing to like to kind of stamp. We're going to stamp that uh, period in Wednesday's uh, Wednesday's history. So at the moment, it's uh, looking like it may go a little uh, a little fruitless. Just trying to make sure I didn't miss any other Wednesday legends with over uh, two. Oh, Carton Palmer. There's another one. <laughs> How many did he have? Uh, two hundred and eighty-six. Jesus Christ! Yeah. I mean, Hursty played, and we you think of him as being injury prone, but it's three hundred and fifty-eight appearances. As did Peter Shirtliff had three hundred fifty. Oh, I missed Nigel Worthington too. There's another one. <laughs> Yeah, that era stuck together for a while. It was, yeah, I mean, also, I mean, it's yeah, a different it's, era too. It's like there's much less player movement nowadays, or there was much less player movement then. Yeah. yeah. In other Wednesday news, 
it was announced this week that Wednesday CEO Catrienne uh, Mier has left the club, Patty. I know you're probably devastated. I'm just confused, Jeff. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very confused. Um, I think she's done a good job as far as what she was allowed to do from what uh, we're told. We had a little insight into what she was allowed to do at the last Lambs Forum, if you remember. Yeah. Uh, we, she, she spoke that she was in charge of that made the world pop-up shop. Uh, and had no uh, real interaction about transfers or football matters. I think she said it wasn't it. Um, so I feel like she had a kind of a, she was kind of a short reign. So I'm not entirely sure what Chancey brought her in to do. Mm. Um, it doesn't seem that clear. And for me, this uh, some people say that Bruce, the one, the reason she left, or uh, because Bruce was doing some of the things that she was doing. That's not true. Bruce is a Football manager, he's not going right, to really care about, about the, contracts uh, yeah. And, yeah. and like uh, trying to get under FFPs. Is there to manage the football side of things? It was very clear that she wasn't there to do that. So for me, this is a chance series decision. This is a chance series uh, not being able to trust um, others to do business side of the club, which again, it's another red flag for me on, on chance series. It seemed to me that she was uh, she was doing fine in what she was allowed to do. Uh, maybe Chancery didn't think it was worth paying her for what he actually gave her to do at the end of the day. Who knows? Uh, I will just transition out of this segment by pointing out now that uh, Liam Palmer has more appearances for Sheffield Wednesday than uh, Roland Nielsen as far as right backs go. <laughs> <laughs> but what's he doing with those appearances? Though? Yeah, he's scratchy scored fewer goals than Nielsen has too. So Maybe uh, we should re uh, change that song to uh, number one is Liam Palmer, number two is Liam Palmer. <laughs> I don't feel like that Palmer. will uh, go particularly. <laughs> we'll try that at the next New York Owls meetup. See how that goes over. <laughs> For his last game Wednesday, we should, uh, should to change the name from Roland Nielsen to Liam Palmer. And the next uh, New York Owls meetup will be for Rotherham this weekend. As we head to the New York Stadium, which is not in New York because uh, as the Arctic Monkey song goes, you're not from New York City, you're from Rotherham. And that's where Wednesday head for a nice early kickoff, Patty. Set the alarm clock. Yeah. Do you know why it's called New York Stadium, Jeff, by the way? I thought I'd throw a fact in there if you don't know that. Go ahead. I don't. So I I don't care. I don't care about Rotherham (laughs) in any way, shape, or form. So some of our listeners might not know either. Yeah, I did no research. I'm not going to do research on Rotherham. So I know they're called Toy Town. All I really need to know. So that patch of land was called New York. Um, Literally New York. Yeah, yeah. That was that was called New York. I mean. It probably has more right to be called New York than the actual New York City has. Yeah. It's nearer to actually York. <laughs> so, uh, and also, they used to, in that same area, because it was very uh, famous for steel and stuff, they used to make the um, the manhole covers for New York City, actually, in that area, too. So there's two connections to New York. That's why they named it that. It's a very tenuous link. Uh, and it was very almost uh, uh, brazen as well from the, uh, the owner who said that it's also a, an opportunity to reach out to... Uh, some businessmen in New York City. I think he was referring to the Yankees who were looking to buy a stake in the English football team around that time too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> who, I mean, my my advice to the Yankees is to spend that money on like Manny Machado or Bryce Harper over buying into Rotherham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was, I think it was optimistically uh, named New York Stadium. 
Uh, it did make us struggle all the time. And actually, it was very close. When they named it New York Stadium, it was about um, a few months after we started New York Owls. Mm. Uh, so we had a lot of uh, bants on our New York Owls page, which said we were from Rotherham, uh, which was obviously hilarious. Um, so that's why I don't like uh, the name of the stadium. Uh, but there is some history, at least, uh, in the naming of it. Um, speak of history, um, Rotherham have <laughs> not been doing very well. Um, and they find themselves, what, is it the spot outside relegation or the fourth and bottom round, actually? I I'll be honest, I've really not been. Like, I mentioned in the New York Owls WhatsApp group, you could tell me Millwall was at any spot in the championship table right now, and I'd probably believe it because <laughs> this entire league is more or less a uh, train wreck this year. Well, Millwall, Rotherham, Reading, Bolton, and Ipswich are the bottom five. We've played uh, three of those and we're about to play a fourth um, this coming week. Um, Haven't exactly Rotham, been making hay. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Rotherham have been showing a little bit side fight, though. Jeff, they've had a few uh, hard fought draws in the past mm-hmm. few games. They had a good result against Hull today, 2 2. Um, so I, I think for me, it's going to be a tough one uh, yeah. again. Uh, it's always hard away from home. Uh, we do seem to get results of problems. We so, do. Uh, from memory. So, and these are pretty entertaining. I don't think this game is going to be entertaining based on the last few games we've seen. Uh, but who knows? It's a derby. Or is it? Yeah, we do love a late winner there too. So. Oh, yeah. yeah so we'll see. I, I, I think. What do you think in prediction wise? What do you think we're going to do? Uh. As much as I'd love to go with like CB May back heel securely and then John Pearson screaming, uh, neither of those players in the squad anymore. I'm gonna go with a nervy one nil win after a 35th minute Joao goal. Yeah, I, that I feels think, about right. I can't see any more goals than one. Uh, I think whoever scores it will win it. Uh, I just hope it'll be us. So I'll go for a 96th minute winner. <laughs> <laughs> from uh, from Rolando Aaron's. Yeah, just like it's like off his ass. He doesn't even know anything about it. <laughs> that was my like, my favorite one from the Millwall game where Fletcher shoots and like hits Joao while he's offside because Joao is like just running directly in front of him. That was so frustrating. I was that's what I was alluding to earlier on when I said they're getting each other's way. It, it was it was clearly the path to take was to move away from Fletcher and draw the defender away. Yeah, he was yeah. right in front of him. Yeah. And I think you shorted us a little bit when you said Wednesday was up to 15th because they're level on points with 14th place Preston North End. Uh, oh, yeah. It's weird how in the um, in the uh, standings I'm looking at now, yeah. we have the worst goal difference of Preston, but yes. Yeah, Extremely worse, yeah. Oh, I see. So we have to go... Oh, yeah, it's on gold. Yeah, so we could go 14th if we scored 10 goals. Okay. <laughs> It, ha- it just happened in the uh, Portuguese league, so why not? Oh, yeah, the Carlos uh, coach, right? Yeah. If he could be, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Look him up. He's doing really well. So where are the meetups for this early kickoff, Patty? Um, so it, the game's an I follow. I thought it might be on ESPN Plus since it's a uh, stupid time. But it's <laughs> not. Um, it's I follow 8 a.m. in Eastern time. There is two meetups, um, I believe, in New York, well, definitely in New York, and also in New Orleans. I don't know if Jamie's back for that. Jamie's uh, um, the New Orleans guy who's spoken about a few times in here. 
he's been in uh, England for the past two games, so he has seen two thrilling nil-nils. Uh, I think he might be going to the Rotherham game as well. Um, so at least I hope he gets a goal this time at least. But they will be in the Orange as well, meeting up without Jamie. So kind of down to that. Do we have any other business? Yes, just very small things. Um, one, uh, we had a really nice email this this week. We, we don't get a lot of emails at Alzheimer's. We don't. <laughs> but uh, when they do, I'm, I'm going to give you the the uh, voicemail line again. Nobody uses it, but it's just written <laughs> down there in the thing. So. Our email is alzamericas at gmail.com. I say, I say it every week, Patty. Well, it's clearly Alan Alsop has uh, got in touch with us from uh, that, your lovely um, outro that you do every week. Um, and he is, um, I just want to give him a shout out because he wrote a really fantastic email. Uh, he's been supporting Wednesday for a very long time. He loves listening to the um, American Wednesday fans, uh, Hi, American Wednesday. I. He, he wrote down, honestly, it could be a blog post. I might put it on a blog post, actually. All of his memories, the best matches, like five top matches. Um, that he's been to, I think, mainly over the 80s and late 70s. So thanks, Alan, for your email. Appreciate it. If anyone wants to get, to, get in touch with us, alzamericasatgmail.com. Also, uh, we got a tweet back from, um, from Chris in Toronto. I forgot to mention that his uh, Twitter feed is at OwlsFooty. So if you give him a follow, you can follow one of our Canadian Owls too. This is where I do that spiel because this has been episode 57 of the Owls Americast. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com and find and follow us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesday Ice Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Owls Americas, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. And speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Days and Mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, what's your favorite Arctic Monkeys track? Uh, you know, I think it actually is um, Fake Tales of San Francisco. It's a great track. It's yeah, a I think it's perfectly good. valid choice. It's actually definitely valid. nothing off the new album. <laughs> I like the new album. Well, we've had a long-running discussion in the New York Owls WhatsApp group about the new album. I am. I think it's just me and Paul are the two fans of it. I thought Paul hates it. Paul, Paul hates, hates it. it. Who's the other person that likes? At least I one other person likes that it. likes it. All right, man. Maybe it's Damien. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, I definitely hate it. I've seen it, I've actually seen them do it live now. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a good album. I could I could see it not being great live, but I think it's a good album. Um, I'll throw a I'll throw a, a shout in too for From the Ritz to the Rubble. I think that might be my favorite track. Good shout. Yeah. And I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>